the show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. What's up, what's up? Jared here, giving another shout out to all you out there in the posse. Hope you're staying safe and doing well. Hope you're ready to learn something, do something, and be a part of something. Because here on this program, we are done with the status quo. Simply put, the game has changed. Hospitals and health systems are starting to reimagine their growth marketing strategies and are finally starting to make healthcare about consumers and innovation. We call it marketing forward. If you want to be a part of it, then this is the place for you. We're going to help you find your place in this new movement, and you are going to be one of the ones shifting the way that healthcare is marketed and experienced. I can't wait for you to be part of the posse. Before I get too far, I want to mention the brand new media network called Shift.Health. It's a podcast network and a video network. So if you like this program, The Healthcare Wrap, I think you'll really like the other series and shows we have there. So go check it out at Shift.Health. Check out the other podcasts. Check out the video series we have. One of the first video series was called Now What? It was a four-part deep dive of panel discussions about the future of healthcare marketing, how it's changing right before our eyes. And it featured some of the industry's biggest thinkers. So you'll want to go out and check that out. So here's what's going to go down today. We've got Steve Koch in the house to reveal some brand new research about consumer confidence as quarantine restrictions start to become relaxed. Are you ready for this? Let's go. Hey there, listeners. If you're all about listening to your website visitors to learn more about how to improve your website experience, then G-Site is for you. G-Site is a suite of digital improvement tools that capture the voice of the digital customer. Hi, I'm Rob Klein, co-founder of G-Site and founder and CEO of Klein & Partners, a market research and brand consulting firm dedicated to helping hospitals and health systems find their brand voice. I co-developed this service offering with the team at Greystone.net several years ago. G-Site helps you prioritize and focus your website improvement and enhancement efforts. It's a suite of solutions, including a pop-up website experience survey tool, a user-friendly dashboard and reporting tool, a user behavior tracking tool, expert consulting services, and more. What if I told you that 8% of your visitors have a new negative opinion of your brand after visiting your website? Now multiply that number by the total number of annual visitors. Does that number scare you? If so, go to www.graystone.net forward slash G site to learn more about how we can help and sign up for an introductory overview. Hope to speak with you soon. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I got a treat for you. I got just uh, some serious awesomeness going on this week. I've got Steve Koch with me again. Steve is the co-founder and senior vice president of growth at Cast and Hugh. So Steve, 
How you doing today? Doing very good, Jared. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And I hate to say it, but I think even the more important question is, uh, how are the dogs these days? <laughs> the dogs are good. I've got two dogs. They're both terrier mixes and they're wondering why they haven't been in their crates in 10 weeks. So I think the big thing I'm going to be thinking about is the next time we leave the house, how are they going to feel? Because they're getting quite used to this, this free roam 24-7, but they're having fun. They tend to enjoy the pool, I understand. It's a little forced enjoyment, but uh, you know, we throw them in, do some races. Without sports, you have to find ways to entertain yourself. So and they're good about that. They'll, they'll put in the effort and to entertain, entertain their friends. Right on. They do seem like good sports about things. So, so I'm just saying, uh, it seems like they, they weren't exactly having a bad time. No, not at all. Not at all. Especially if it's 105 degrees in early May, then, then they'd like to pull a lot. You know what? And seriously, we were having a good winter. We were having a good spring as far as like uh, unseasonably cool. And then like everything changed just a couple of weeks ago. I, I'm, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I agree. And it doesn't look like it's going to change. It looks like this is summer. So there we go. Yeah, as usual, spring was like like a week and a half long or something. Right. And then, ugh. yeah, well, that's what we get for being here in the desert in the Valley of the Sun. But uh, other than that, I don't have a whole lot of complaints, you know, and, and we kind of live with that anyway. It's, you know, when it's still double digits in the temperatures, we're like, hey, you know, that's not bad. It's really not. Yeah, yeah. It's some brisk breezes when it's 95 degrees, but, right. but those are nice. And that's that, like some nights, seriously, I would, you know, the sun hasn't fully set, but it's below the horizon and it's, 89 or something just the last couple nights. And I'm like, hey, not bad. Yeah, very comfortable. Right, right, right. It is very different. And so for those of us, those colleagues who are listening in other areas of the country and it, uh, you know, it has snowed in the last few days, yeah. <laughs> it's just a little different. You get used to it. You really do get acclimated. That's all I can say. I, I would have called my current self just kind of a cold wuss. I don't, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> and yet you just get used to it. It's, it really is comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll be more used to it in August. It's amazing how hot 100 degrees is right now for us in mid-May. And then you hit 100 in early September and it's like a cool day because we're, we're just so warmed out. But your body gets used to it and uh, you know we enjoy it. Get out and do all your fun stuff in the mornings or after the sun goes down. Very true, very true. I, I did. I got to say, I took advantage of the the low 60s this morning and, uh, and did a quick little hike, just about a three-mile hike. And, uh, you know, it was comfortable. I, I, I got to say, it wasn't bad. So we're just getting used to things. And this is probably a terrible segue, but just like our weather experience is, is very different than other regions of the country. It just depends on where you live. So has been our experience during the pandemic, it is, is yeah. a very regional, regionally dependent experience is what I'm finding. I don't know if you're seeing the same thing with, with clients and with colleagues, uh, but it is, it is so different state to state, metro area to metro area, more than really anything I can remember. Yeah, it really is. And I think there's a lot of consistency across. There's a lot of us that are trying to figure out you know, what our level of concern is. How do we behave and what actions do we take during these times? It's just, you know, I went golfing for the first time this past weekend, you know, speaking of outdoor sports, that was my first activity of getting out and doing things in the public, but everybody has a different view. And then all, you know, from a business perspective and a healthcare perspective, understanding how all those people are going to react is, is just hugely important. As we were talking about off air before this, just what we're learning is you can't do an, a build it or open it and they will come. It's, you know, I think 
knowing your consumers and knowing those you serve is, is more important than ever right now. And because we're all going to take a little bit of extra TLC to take actions that, that may have been just part of our normal life three months ago. Now we're looking at everything with caution and, and a little bit of fear. So it's certainly challenging times and a, and a little bit different everywhere. Very true. And I know some of what you just based that on is some some research that the team over Casting Hugh recently commissioned about consumer confidence in healthcare as restrictions are starting to be relaxed. Let's dive into that because you found some really interesting things and, and some things I think that aren't as surprising and some things that really are. Uh, so let's dive into that for our rap battle. Rap Battle! Rap Battle is where we challenge the status quo and we just say, look, it's time for marketing and experience. The, the way that healthcare has been marketed and experienced up until now, it just has to change. It doesn't work anymore. That's really not going to do the job anymore. So part of that has to do with what is the post... We can't see the post-pandemic world, the post-quarantine world, I guess, start to look like a little bit. So tell us about the research that the team did and, and let's go from there. We'll just talk about a couple of the, the key highlights. But first and foremost, like what was this research in the first place? Just like our discussion we were just having, we at Cast and Hugh, a bunch of experienced designers sitting around talking and we start thinking about from a human-centered perspective, what's it going to take for us to start moving forward and like you said, it's not out of this pandemic, but maybe through this pandemic, what are the next steps? And we started to think about consumer needs and started to think about how we're reacting to this. And many of our clients are in healthcare and hospitals and health systems and, and other folks like that. And we started to think about what they're facing and the unique challenges around going into this next phase where elective surgeries start to open up again, restrictions start to get relaxed a bit. And so people start to maybe put or go back to getting care that they had put off and just be to think, okay, well, first of all, how big of a population is that? And then what's it going to take for them to go back? How long are they going to wait? And I just said, you know, I'm slowly but surely personally getting back into, into life here. Not a post-pandemic, but our, our stay-at-home orders are getting lifted this week. So other folks are thinking about that as well. So we commissioned a survey and went out to people around the country to talk about how they're reacting to their healthcare needs and how COVID-19 has affected them and then how they are going to behave moving forward. And so we took that information and followed it up with interviews from people across the country to dig in a little bit to some of the insights that the survey uncovered. So wanted to match our approach because we believe in that human-centered design approach. It's important to get the what that you get from surveys, but then to use interviews and conversations with people to really dig in and get to the why. And so that's where that came out of, and that's where the report came from. Great. Well, I find that I think there's going to be some some usefulness well beyond this kind of recovery time in the the results that you guys found. And so where do you want to start? Do you want to start talking about the, the part about fear and anxiety? Because I think there were some really interesting insights there. What we have to realize as we're getting back into this is fear and anxiety is driving a lot of people. You know, unsurprisingly, over half of folks we spoke with are worried about the, the idea of COVID-19 affecting their personal health add in somewhat concerned, and now you're up to uh, almost 80% of the population. So unsurprising there. 
And they're also worried about when we dug in with that in our interviews, they're, they're worried about their family members. They're not just, they started maybe being worried about older populations, but now they're worried about themselves as they hear about children being affected. They hear about young people having strokes and, and all of those things. So it really learned how some of those concerns have evolved. And we find that just there's a safety issue that the numbers of people and how they feel about safety within healthcare settings has gone down quite a bit. So from our research, we saw that 80% of people felt safe in a uh, physician's office before COVID-19. And now that's down to 34%. The number in the emergency department, the safety number is 20%. So you've got one in five people today, and this is during COVID-19, saying they don't feel safe in an emergency department. And so you could think about that as we've seen some of these reports of people with non-COVID ailments that are very serious, putting off care and really causing serious damage. You can see why that is. There's a lot of fear involved. Yeah. And I think the interesting part to me is that how long this could last, right? That this isn't just going to be, hey, as quarantine restrictions are lifted, you mentioned, you know, in, in Arizona, for instance, elective surgeries are allowed now. That doesn't mean every provider was ready that day to start welcoming patients back and scheduling things again. I think the effects are just going to be so much longer term than we may have first thought. And so even this perception of the fear and anxiety, taking into account how long this is going to be the case, yeah. that that's a tremendous burden on providers and anyone involved with them, their partners, and health systems, recognizing the need to not just have this be a, a tagline somewhere. We're going to have to do more than just tell people it's safe here. We're going to have to really yeah. spend a devoted amount of time showing them what that means and even getting really down into the nitty gritty and in the weeds of, do we just say the word safe or do we say COVID free? And what does that mean? Is, are they different mm-hmm. facilities? Are they different parts of the same facility? We better explain this in a lot of detail because that's going to affect everything from here on out, everything about the business. And that translates to me into a lot of different design principles, like experience design principles. And I'm curious if like, if that's the lens you look through, you know, what, what does that tell you if you're a health provider? It's a good point, Jared. And and it reflects what we saw in our research. You know, we saw about 40% of the population put off healthcare. And then those folks, two thirds are going to wait at least a month or longer to get that healthcare after restrictions are lifted or relaxed. So that there's a lot to think about there and safety is the main issue. And what we saw, especially when we got into the, the interviews and the qualitative work, is that the, what's going to bring people back is going to range for all of them. And it's going to be dependent on a number of different things. It's going to be dependent on what kind of care they need. And I think that's an obvious one in terms of how urgent is it. But then also, they're looking at it from the perspective of, how many people do I think I'll engage with when I go there? How close are multiple people going to get to me? Are they touching me? All those types of elements there. What we found is that people are taking a very critical approach to this. And then that reflects to what you're talking about in about communication. We asked them what safety measures are important. And unsurprisingly, it was basically all of them. But then when we dug into them, it's, you know, they want to see increased disinfection of cleaning and then they want to see evidence of it. They want to be separated from sick patients and sick and non-sick be separated. They want to see the PPE. They prefer not to wait. All of those things are important. And I think what our research showed is that as they look at the experience, they want that to be reinforced for them at every step of the way. So from an experience design perspective, 
we need to think about within that experience, touch point by touch point, where are we A, from just an experience point of view, taking care of these issues, ensuring everything is clean, ensuring everything is safe, separating where we can, but then B, communicating, communicating, communicating. It's like, it reminds me of when I took one of my first speech classes in high school and then they simplified it. They said, tell what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. Well, we could apply that to safety too. The consumers really want to feel safe and they're going to feel safe as you re-emphasize the ways that you're caring for their safety. And I think that's going to be key in attracting more patients and building back that patient volume that, that we know all our healthcare provider friends are, are working to do. Yeah, agreed. And I think that speaks really, really well to the just the complexity of this. In addition to everything else that anyone involved with the, the experience team, the, the anything consumer facing really has to deal with at this point, these are things that aren't going to go away and it's not going to be anytime soon. I think these findings just seem to confirm that the longevity of these considerations, right? And I think that's just going to inform a lot of decisions from here on out. Yeah, absolutely. We see people delaying and I would say that that you're going to see maybe 70% of the people look for care in those first three months after restrictions are relaxed. But then another 30% to go even longer. There's 4% one year or longer. 3% just say never. Hopefully that will change. There's those outliers out there as well. But I think there's an opportunity in terms of how healthcare organizations communicate, how they design their experiences. There's an opportunity to move those wait times down because we know it's going to be important to attract those patients that have put off care and those who have new needs for care. I think the organizations that can best understand those needs and create experiences and messaging that really meet and exceed them are going to be the most successful and not just, you know, refilling their patient pipeline, but also potentially building new patient bases. And so I think this is going to be, this is just such an important time to understand your audiences, understand these consumers, what they're feeling, what their emotions are, and, and taking that fear and anxiety and turning it into trust and confidence. And that will lead to more success. Well, I like even just the thought that that you keep coming back to the research, talking, listening, understanding the audience and not just taking, there's nothing we can take for granted anymore. And out of necessity, we have caused the current situation, right? We have caused a lot of the consumer sentiment around delaying procedures, right? Well, we had to, right? We we had to tell patients, don't come here. You can't come here right now. And that's been the case for, for weeks and months now. And so to just turn that around and say, nope, hey, we're open for business. Like, we're come on back. It is so much more complex than that. And the images and the, the videos that, that mm-hmm. everyone has seen online continually throughout the entire pandemic of, like we've said, you know, some regions of the country are so much worse than others. And, you know, thank goodness for the frontline workers everywhere, everywhere along the way that are doing their absolute best to resolve that to take care of people, Absolutely. to treat people. We don't ever want to miss that that part of the equation. It's just the fact that that how long this is going to take, the research itself. And so maybe if I can put you on the spot here for, for a moment and say, taking into account, you know, the fact that like the image that that healthcare providers have had to put out there for a number of weeks now of don't come, <laughs> stay at right, home. Right. How do we do that besides just communicating it and telling people, like how can we show people that? And when they do come for a procedure, is there anything about the experience there that can contribute to that? Like that can help them feel safer again. Well, it's interesting. I, and 
you know, I think this is where marketers can play a strong role because what we're trying to communicate is similar to some of the efforts that we've all done over time. However, now what we're communicating very specifically is safety and cleanliness and how we're keeping patients safe. And so I think applying some of those marketing principles will be important. How can we really demonstrate that before somebody comes to one of our our facilities or healthcare settings? And using video, using walkthroughs, using demonstrating those elements. And then I think to your point, like we're always trying to build advocacy. We're always trying to build loyalty. And if we're building those things based on safety and cleanliness, what steps can we take? What moments of delight what are the, the unknown or, or unforeseen moments of cleanliness that we could demonstrate that will cause people to talk about, you know, and went to the this doctor's office or this medical facility and wow, above and beyond, here's what happened. I felt safe the entire time. Those are the type of messages we could think about this, those same types of marketing tools like word of mouth here, but apply them to just a new set of attributes that we're communicating. And obviously we've always communicated about safety, but it's taking an entirely new level of priority here. And so I think those are the things that especially marketers could think about as we're all work to determine the best ways to to build that trust among consumers and, and build up, rebuild that patient volume. For sure. Okay, so I don't want to miss the chance either to to dive into telemedicine here for a couple of minutes here. You had some interesting findings there in the, in the survey as well, in the research here. Anything you want to mention there about telemedicine? Yeah, well, so telemedicine, I feel like, has in in many ways the last eight weeks or so been been the story of healthcare. We've seen the increase in telemedicine usage, hospitals reporting 1,000% increase from the month before. And, and obviously, that's because all the restrictions we discussed earlier. So we talked to consumers about, about telemedicine. And within the survey, our results reflected mostly what we've heard out in the marketplace. We saw about a doubling of number of people who use telemedicine overall. So about 15% of the population reported using telemedicine prior to COVID-19. And since COVID-19, that number climbed to 32%, which is pretty impressive considering we're taking about seven or eight years of trying to develop telemedicine adoption, getting to 15%. And then within two months, we, we make that climb to 32%. But I think what was interesting, what came to us, especially in the interviews, because within the survey, we saw pretty good levels of satisfaction and people interested in potentially using telemedicine in the future, not saying they won't ever use it again. But what came out in the interviews was some interesting elements around perception and, and motivations. Because you know we've seen this idea that, well, this is the tipping point for telemedicine. I've seen that in a lot of news reports and things of that nature, that this will be the time we'll look at it that, that really led to the the mainstreaming of telemedicine. And what we heard from consumers when we talked to them through our interviews was that, well, maybe, but but their experience was not dissatisfactory or not, they weren't unsatisfied, but they were just, to put it scientifically, they were meh. They were like, okay, I got care and I got what I needed. But the general idea we heard was most likely I'm going to go back to my doctor. I don't see a big need for this. I prefer in person. I, you know, we even heard this perception or this idea that I was forced to do it. What that tells us, though, is that there is an opportunity around the experience design. And we've heard about some clunky launches of telemedicine. And that's to be expected. Nobody back in February expected to be doing this much telemedicine. And so I think what we're learning from that and what our big takeaway from that is that if we see telemedicine as a big part of our business moving forward, 
and it's going to be a need, then there is a lot of opportunity to design an experience that better meets the needs of those patients. Because right now, we're seeing huge numbers because they don't have a lot of other choices. But that may not be the case as restrictions get lifted as time goes on. So that's something we're going to be watching very closely moving forward. So just yet another example of something that's a little bit more complex than, than just, oh yeah, telemedicine is being used a lot more. The, the experience design itself has a lot of opportunity for improvement. And I think that is that's just an, another interesting finding that the research is just packed with, with this type of insight that I think will be extremely useful and valuable just as, as the base to move forward as recovery starts becoming more of a thing and as we really do start hitting the, the downside of the curve here. So Steve, uh, anyone who's listening, where are they able to get a copy of it? Is it out yet? Uh, what's uh, how, how can they find it? Yeah, absolutely. We have a, a page on our website for it. It's so go to covid.castandhue.com and you can download it from there and get all this information. And so, yeah, hopefully, hopefully people find it beneficial to bring this quantitative view and getting the numbers from the survey together with some of the insights that we got from the interviews. And, and you know, we want this to just be a tool for people to use as they develop their strategies to rebuild that patient volume. So, so yeah, thanks so much for having me on. It's been great to discuss it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Steve, thanks for, for giving me a few minutes today. Uh, be sure to keep taking care of those dogs out there. Uh, it's oh, great. Bet. Great to hear of uh, their their adventures there. Wishing you the best. Uh, stay safe. Stay well. Thanks for giving me a few minutes today. Absolutely, Jared. You stay safe as well. And uh, thanks so much. I need a dime. I ain't faking a bump. So you crank out content, but it's getting stale. It might be nutritious, but it tastes like kale. You're down with finding a way to up your marketing game. Yeah, but when you look for help, everyone seems lame. We're Ultera Digital. Google us and see. We're spelled like ultra with an extra E. We'll help you market forward. Google us and look. We're Ultera Digital. It's off the hook. Hey guys, this is Jared. Ultera Digital is just another name for our consulting team that helps you when your content, your strategy, or your brand is getting stale. You know, like that chocolate glazed donut that was a little piece of heaven in the morning, but when you left it on your desk until 4.13 in the afternoon and you went to finish it off, by then, mm, not so heavenly, was it? By now, you know our philosophy that content is the future, but only when it engages audiences and it isn't a snooze fest. And you've heard how we roll. The healthcare rap, what you're listening to right now is Exhibit A. We don't do boring. So if your content, your special event, or your strategy is getting stale, let us help you give it that spark, that rhythm, that new life you're looking for. Ultera Digital, marketing forward. Okay, now back to the podcast, right? Because it's pretty legit. Hey, I want to thank Steve and I want to thank you for listening. Don't forget to join the posse, listen, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends. Healthcare Wrap is a member of the brand new Shift.Health Media Network. So go check it out at Shift.Health. There are podcasts and video series to help you shift the way that healthcare is marketed and experienced. So on behalf of Steve, keep marketing forward. Hang in there. Thanks. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening.